We're here with David Withers, who's the president of Jacobson's. Um, we're at BTME, uh, but obviously you've come over from the States for this. You're based in Charlotte now. Why don't you talk to us a little bit about your career trajectory and how you've ended up in, in where you are? Sure. No, that's fine. Yeah, it seems funny to me that I have to come across the pond to uh, come to BTME, <laughs> having been exactly having been here so many years uh, uh, prior to that when I was based over in the UK. Yeah, I, I, I've been with Jake. This is my 24th year uh, now with Jacobson. Really? Uh, I joined in '92 uh, as a sales guy, uh, and then had a various roles within the organisation. Obviously, Ransoms was acquired in '98. Uh, and a lot of changes occurred then as we pulled together Jacobson and Ransoms into one company. Uh, but uh, I had a variety of roles during that period and then ended up as Managing Director of Ipswich in 2004, uh, running all the European and international businesses for Jacobson. Mm -hmm. And then in 2011 got the opportunity to uh, run the global business. And at that point I moved over to Charlotte in North Carolina where our corporate office is and one of our manufacturing plants is there as well. So obviously being in the States, I'm sure there are some differences in terms of the, the US and the UK market. What do you find those key differences tend to be? Yeah, it's funny. At the core of what a customer wants, there's no real difference. Mm. You know, customers want to have a relationship with you as the manufacturer and the dealer, the supplier of equipment. They want you to build a really good machine that enables them to produce a great looking golf course or soccer pitch or whatever it happens to be. And they want that machine supported for the whole of its life. Mm. And that's at the heart of everything we do. And that's true globally. We do that everywhere. However, you know, as we look at the, uh, the, the sort of minute differences that there are between the two um, areas, one of the big differences would be over here in Europe, most golf courses do not have their own mechanic or technician. Okay. They might have somebody who's able to, um, you know, put some grease in it, reset the height of cart, that kind of thing. But a lot of the golf courses here do not have a real proper technician. Okay. And they rely on their local dealers to do that service work for them. In America, I think driven a lot by geography, just because it's so vast, uh, they're more self-sufficient. And, and most golf courses, except for at the very low end, would have their own mechanic, their own grinders, their own, you know, they, they'd look after the machinery a lot themselves. Okay. And so that seems to be a difference in, the, if you like, the structure of the business between the two areas, if you compare Europe and, uh, and North America. Right. And so looking at the, the UK market then, given those differences, what do you have to do to provide the support here? Yeah, I think the big thing there is the availability and the closeness of where the dealer is mm. to the customer. So you can't have somebody who's going to have to travel hundreds of miles to support a customer because they're simply not going to be able to do it in a timely manner. Sure. The reality of our business is if a Greensmire breaks down today, I've got to cut the grass tomorrow morning. And so therefore, it's not good enough to be able to say, yeah, yeah, we'll get somebody out there when, in, we, can. when yes. we can. You've got to get someone out there quickly. And so if you look at an area, you know, Scotland would be a good example. You need multiple depots around, around Scotland. Otherwise, you're simply not going to be able to provide an adequate service to that market. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, the customers will suffer. And when that happens, then they typically look to go to somebody else. Yeah, sure. And so from our point of view, we work very, very closely with our dealers and distributors to really set... Uh, uh, service levels that are you know that they're going to hit so that our customers are looked after mm -hmm. in North America because they often have the tech um, as long as you can supply the part in a timely manner they often are happy to fit it themselves and to do their own service work so obviously under your remit you know all the operations globally you have experience in a number of different markets what do you think are some of the 
key issues that face the global turf industry and then how do you as service provider, you know, manufacturers, how do you then meet you know, the, the requirements? Mm. So, so there are some um, changes that are occurring in the climate which, which make a difference to all of us and there's probably nothing much we can do about. Sure. Uh, you know, the droughts in California, the big floods that we've had both over here and uh, in the Midwest of the US are, are, are things that we just have to live with and I don't see that there's much that we can do about that. Um, what you're seeing customers do is to, is to reduce the amount of maintained turf that they have, particularly in areas where, where water becomes uh, an issue. But the biggest issue, particularly if we focus on golf, which obviously is perhaps the most global of the sports that we support from the uh, uh, manufacturing point of view, uh, what we're seeing there is that golf is not growing. Yeah. You know, we've got certain areas, uh, it always seems to be there's one good news and one bad news in everything you hear. So China slows down, Vietnam and Southeast Asia is picking up a little. Mm. But none of these things really, if you take the whole globality of golf and say, is it growing? It's not. And a lot of that is around is, is how can we make golf more attractive to women, to minorities and to children, uh, which is something that the golf industry needs to do. But for us as manufacturers, what we look at is we need to be able to enable our customers to produce a fantastic playing surface for their customers. And we need to do it in a way where they can do it at a lower cost this year than it cost them last year. How do we make it that every year we can increase the productivity of golf, uh, golf course providers so that we can end up where this becomes a more affordable business and also where the golf course themselves can improve their own economics. Mm -hmm. We need golf courses to make money yeah. so that in turn they can invest in the game which in turn will grow the game and mm -hmm. you get into that cycle, that great cycle of recurring business. So for us that's what we look to do. We want to really understand what our customers needs. We want to understand what it is that their products that they're using today do not address what are the what are the needs that they're not addressed by what they have today and how do we then develop products that can address those needs make them more productive and more cost effective on a year over year basis so you've been out in the states for four years now or four and a half years can you talk to us a little bit about the brief when you first took the role and sort of how you feel you've you've met that so far and, and how you think things have, have progressed certainly yeah so it's interesting. I mean, um, you know, I think I mentioned before about uh, Jacobson and Ransom's coming together around about the turn of the century. And that was a really tough time for us. Uh, you're trying to bring two similarly sized businesses together with different cultures, different backups and different histories. And that was a really difficult uh, period for the company. And there's no question that we lost market share during that period and we let some customers down. Uh, and so really the fight back that we have started here, I think when I was a managing director over here, we really started to become more outward looking again. Uh -huh. There's a danger when you're working hard at consolidation of businesses that you become internally focused and you take your eyes off your customer because you're so focused on the operational issues that a big acquisition like that drive. Mm -hmm. And as we got through those and we finished all the operational stuff that needed to be cleaned up, it enabled us to really to start becoming much more outward focused, really focusing back on what our customers want. And I think we started that earlier in Europe than they did in North America. And what we saw is as we did become more aggressive in the marketplace, we became more close to our customers. We just saw our financial performance and our market share improve significantly in Europe, whilst at the same time in North America we weren't seeing that same traction being developed. So really they looked at what we'd achieved in Europe and wanted to replicate some of that in North America and that's why I was given the opportunity because of my experience here of taking on that more global role. And certainly, you know, I've been pleased to see that what we've said and what we've done has resonated with our customers in North America in the same way that it resonated with our customers in Europe. Mm -hmm. 
and that is trying to keep it as a simple business. Let's focus on the relationships with the customer, let's focus on the product being excellent, and let's focus on the backup being supported being first class. And by doing that, we have seen the same results actually duplicated in North America that we had experienced over there. Our financial performance has significantly improved, our market share is much better than it was, our revenues continue to grow, and overall what's really important to me is our customers are coming back to us. People who maybe bought just one machine from us to try us out are going, wow, we like the machine, we like yeah. you guys, we're going to come and buy some more yeah. of this stuff. And that's exactly what we want to see happen and replicated around the world. So, so far, so, so good. Yeah. But there's still a long way to go. You know, I, I, as I look at where I'd like us to be in 10, 15, 20 years from now, mm. we're well on the road towards that and I feel we've set the right trajectory. But there's still opportunity for us to get better and better every day. And you mentioned looking ahead sort of 15, 20 years from now, when it is, you know, your time with Jacobson, your time in the industry, when it's time to retire, what would you want to look back and hope that your legacy has, has been? So Jacobson will end up being my life's work. You know, I joined here uh, in 1992 and I'll happily stay here till they'll kick me out. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I've loved the company, I love the product, I love the people that I've dealt with. And I think if there's one thing we've bought in, it is a culture that is totally focused on our customer and focused on continuous improvement. You know, I, I finish, I communicate with my workforce regularly. We have about a thousand employees worldwide. Okay. And I believe they all truly understand what our strategy is and what it is we're trying to achieve. And I write to them once a month with how things are going and I talk to them uh, once a quarter as well where we get everybody together and I can answer questions. And I always sign off with, our performance today is not good enough for tomorrow. And I think now that mantra is working through this organization. Every day we've got to be better tomorrow than we were today. And I think uh, I'd love to leave it that uh, when, when, when I do uh, get the opportunity to play more golf and uh, do all the other good things, uh, that uh, the company continues down that trajectory. Totally focused on our customers and totally focused on continuous improvement every day. That's fantastic, David. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us, and we hope you enjoy what has been, I'm sure for you, a very exciting BTME indeed. Jemima, it's been a pleasure. Thank you.